Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I want to tell you about the 1944 Bombay explosion, which was an explosion that took place in, well, in Bombay, Mumbai today. Uh, but I bet you'll never guess when it happened. Oh, okay, yes, fine. Yes, sure, you guessed. You got lucky. It was indeed 1944. How did you? Anyway, this explosion was easily one of the biggest non-nuclear explosions throughout the entire Second World War. It might have even been the biggest, although this sort of thing is difficult to properly you know, quantify or, or verify, really. Anyway, in any case, it is a ridiculous and tragic tale of uh, horrific, incompetent negligence. So I'm sure you just can't wait to hear all about it. Thanks go to alert listener Angela Huring for sending it in as a suggestion. In April 1944, a Canadian-built British ship called SS Fort Stikeen had cruised into one of Bombay's three harbours. Great big basins these harbours were. They were actually so shallow that they had to be protected from the falling tides by locks and gates so as to keep the waterline high enough so the ships would stay afloat. Anyway, this ship, it had some very important cargo, alongside some other cargo that will really make you wonder what sort of cargo was in the heads of the people who decided to load her up. Not all that much, you'll probably agree, because in addition to the 155 ingots of gold bullion, all weighing about 12 kilos, tens of millions of dollars worth, doesn't matter which currency you use, this ship was also filled with a cargo of cotton and timber. Okay, sure, not that exciting as well as a huge quantity of oil and one and a half thousand tonnes of ammunition and high explosives. Quite the combination, something extreme, unbelievably valuable, right, in the gold, uh, combined with some very flammable materials, cotton and timber, and then, should they have the misfortune to catch fire, they're on top of just thousands and thousands of kilograms of explosives. What could go wrong? Now, it's not like there were no objections to this particular combination of cargo being loaded aboard the ship. While protesting what was being loaded onto the Fort Stikeen, the, uh, the ship's captain, Alexander James Naismith, he described his new cargo as <clears throat> just about everything that will either burn or blow up, which is, you know, exactly what you want when setting sail in wartime. Absolutely. Anyway... The ship arrived in uh, in the Bombay Harbour on the 12th of April 1944 and uh, work began eh, at a leisurely pace, I will say, to unload of, unload of much of its cargo. This work, it is slow, it is ponderous. Some of the cargo has been damaged, some of it's leaking, notably the oil, which isn't ideal. And the ship also needs repairs. And then once, this, once these repairs begin, the ship was effectively immovable, like a... 
Like a tired but horny teenage boy in the morning, it would need a tug to get it moving. Uh, So the ship, it's stuck there. It's full of its valuable and volatile cargo being unloaded at snail's pace. When at about half past one, uh, one afternoon, a copper on shore noticed that smoke was coming from the ship. Now, he didn't do anything. Um, Just he went about his day, assumed that the people aboard the ship would have it under, under control. And look, in fairness to the bloke, he wasn't to know what was going on inside the ship. It's not really his fault. And in any case, even had he reported something, it was probably too late. We don't know what started this fire aboard the ship. Um, there are theories that the heat of the day, the heat of the, of the cargo hold was enough to cause the cotton to to combust. I don't know if that is actually a thing that happened. But in any case, it, it is still something of a mystery as to how this fire started. But before very much longer, uh, within the next half an hour after this cop noticed it at half past one, by two o'clock, the alarm has been raised. Smoke is billowing from the hold containing the cotton number two hold. And right underneath the cotton was, can you guess? Yes, indeed. All the explosives. They had been stored right under what was perhaps the most flammable thing on the ship. Now, once the fire was noticed, the alarm was raised. And as soon as the alarm was raised, in credit to them, everyone on the ship realised that they were facing imminent danger. They swung into action. They began to hose down the hold with water. They contacted the fire brigade who sent two trucks, just, just two, because they hadn't been informed of the nature of the fire. They'd just gotten a call. Oh, bloody hell, could, come quick down the docks. Bloody big fire. And sure, they all right, send... How, how many trucks could they possibly need? Two? Sure, send two trucks. That'll be enough. No, they hadn't been told that the fire was on a ship filled with explosives and ammunition, and so they hadn't come out in their full strength, it seems. In any case, uh, it wasn't long before the fire on the ship was raging out of control, and all of the gallons and gallons of water that were being pumped up to try to fight the blaze... Completely wasted. Why? There are two reasons. One, the amount of smoke that the fire was producing was so colossal that the people fighting it couldn't actually find its source. They couldn't find the centre where the fire was actually burning. And, and secondly, this fire was burning so hot that most of the water pumped onto or near it just boiled away without any effect. Can you imagine? This thing was so unbelievably scalding red hot. By three o'clock, it's not just the uh, not just the two fire trucks. There are around 20 fire trucks and fireboats all fighting to get this blaze under control, in addition to sailors and dock workers, emergency personnel, just about anyone else who was ready to lend a hand. Colonel J.R. Sadler of the British Royal Engineers was in charge of the firefighting effort. And as it became clear that they were losing this battle against the fire, he made an extremely difficult and uh, extremely incorrect decision. Ordinarily, you just don't fight fires on ships filled filled with explosives uh, in, in the hold. You just sink them. You sink the ship. You scuttle the ship. It's the best way to make sure an explosion doesn't obliterate the area surrounding the ship that's on fire. But here's where we come back to... Remember the fact that... Remember how I said that the harbour was shallow? Uh, it was, in fact, too shallow to scuttle the SS Fort Stikine. Uh, the ship was too tall to be sunk underneath the water altogether. 
to be submerged completely, the ship would have to go out into deeper waters outside the harbour. And there were a few issues with that. Firstly, it wasn't high tide. So the gates or the locks or whatever, they were closed. They'd have a hard time getting the ship out into deeper water with the tide receded as it was. Not to mention um, the repairs. Remember the ship needed a tugboat in order to move at this stage? You'd need the bravest bloody tugboat captain on, on the face of the planet to pull a ticking time bomb out into the open ocean like this. And so for these reasons, Colonel Sadler, rightly or wrong, no, no, wrongly, decided that the ship would stay where it was and that they would continue to fight the conflagration from the harbour side. And this proved to be a bad move. By four o'clock, the evacuation order had been given, although people are still there pumping water onto and into the ship. And the ship had become so hot that it was, by some accounts, actually glowing red. So the explosives in the cargo hold were just about to blow. And then, as you might expect, just a few minutes later, around two and a half hours after the smoke was first spotted, the SS Fort Stikine exploded as the fire finally ignited the deadly cargo it was carrying. The explosion was gigantic. It was enormous. The ship itself was obliterated and... Much of the surrounding harbour was too. Ripped apart by the force of the explosion, twisted red hot chunks of iron and steel were flung great distances all across the city of Bombay, as were, don't forget, millions of dollars worth of gold. In one instance, there's this old bloke, right? The story goes he was sitting in his house a kilometre and a half away from the ship, just minding his business when, if you believe it, a 12-kilogram gold ingot crashed through his roof. What a day that must have been for him and for all the other people that were the accidental recipients of a king's ransom. Anyway, that was just about the only upside for the poor people of Bombay because not only was the harbour completely devastated, but much of the city was too, but we will, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that. The harbour, it was in a truly terrible state. A huge tidal wave swept across the docks. 12 or 13 ships were sunk, and at least another 9 or 10 were very badly damaged. Although, when I say these ships were sunk, um, I, uh, I should be a little more accurate because at least one of them wasn't sunk. Uh, it was lost, certainly it never sailed again, but that's not because it sank. One ship was actually flung ashore by the force of the explosion. It crashed through warehouses and buildings, so it didn't really sink in the strictest sense of the word. It, it bloody beached itself. Anyway, the losses suffered by Allied shipping because of this. Don't forget, we're in the middle of the Second World War. The losses were so devastating the, the ships, the, the cargo, and of course, the human life. These losses outstripped all the attacks that the Allies had suffered at the hands of Nazi submarines for weeks leading up to this disaster. Hundreds of thousands of tons of cargo, both on the ships and in the harbour's warehouses, all destroyed in the explosion. And that's not even talking about the deaths. Everyone on the dock, crews, sailors, stevedores, firefighters, they all died. And that's just the start of it, because countless civilians in Bombay were also killed. And as time went on, this death toll only mounted because the 
fiery, red-hot debris that was ejected by the Fort Stikine when it blew up propelled thousands of metres across the city of Bombay, wherever it landed, all this debris started fires as well. And it wasn't long before these fires spread and joined with one another until half the city was ablaze. A desperate measure was taken. Allied authorities forced the evacuation of residents across the city that were in the path of the fire and then demolished their homes. There wasn't any way to fight the fire directly. Most of the firefighting capacity of the city had been destroyed by the explosion in any case, so it was decided instead that they would create a firebreak, levelling buildings to create a great big path of rubble that surrounded the fire completely to starve it of fuel. And for the most part, as, as extreme as this measure sounds... The plan worked. A huge section of Bombay was reduced to smoking rubble and ashes, but the rest of the city was saved from the fire. It took two whole weeks for the fire to finally burn itself out at an incalculable cost. Millions or perhaps billions of dollars of damage had been done, while the death toll officially was put at between 1,500 to 3,500 people, but it was almost certainly much much higher given the population density of the city and a lack of proper record keeping. However, it's not all doom and gloom, as the people of Bombay responded marvellously, acquitting themselves magnificently in the face of adversity, responding extremely swiftly after the explosion to help their fellow residents. Not only were emergency shelters and accommodation set up and provided for those who had lost their homes in either the explosion or the fires that came after it, not only were hospitals set up for people who had been injured or hurt in this disaster, but also emergency kitchens were established to feed all of these unhoused refugees that had lost everything but the clothes on their back. And as the dust settled, arrangements were made to house people who had lost everything in the fire as thousands and thousands of workers got to the task of clearing the damage and debris and rebuilding the city as as quickly as humanly possible. The destroyed ships in the harbour were salvaged and, interestingly, much of the lost gold was recovered. I suppose a 12-kilogram ingot of gold is, uh, is going to raise some questions. It's, uh, it's going to be difficult to fence something like that. Uh, where did you get this? Oh, you know, just fell through my roof one night. Nothing strange about that. How does, how does $1 million sound for it? Anyway. The 1944 Bombay explosion was perhaps the biggest non-nuclear explosion throughout the entire Second World War. And it didn't even come about due to direct conflict between belligerents. No, someone just decided that storing cotton on top of explosives would uh, probably be fine. Mate, what's the worst that could happen? We certainly found out, didn't we? Killing thousands and levelling half a city in a massive explosion. That's that's the worst that could happen. An inquiry into the disaster was held, of course, and it found so many problems with what had happened. Storing cotton on top of explosives, not unloading the cargo fast enough, not alerting the firefighting authorities properly, not fighting the fire correctly, the list goes on. But... There's one final detail I want to share with you about this explosion, an effect that it is still having through to this very day. 
I mentioned before how Bombay had a shallow harbour. Today, Mumbai, the same city, still has the same harbour, the same very shallow harbour. And so now and again, it is necessary for this harbour to be dredged to deepen it and to make sure that it stays usable for all the ships that come and visit. And as late as February 2011, these dredging teams have found, if you'll believe it, leftover gold bars from this disaster worth an absolute fortune just sitting there at the bottom of the Mumbai harbour. So never mind bloody digging for gold in far-flung remote lost islands. No, forget that. There could be millions in gold bars just waiting for you beneath the surface of the Mumbai docks. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.